it's it's so awesome when we take communion. It's like a sermon in a sermon, amen. It just it just charges you right up and gets your faith where it needs to be because it tells you that listen, this is already finished. It's already done, amen. Well, let's go ahead and pray over our message today. Father God, we just thank and praise you for this word that we're about to partake of and hear in you. We thank you for your wisdom, your instruction, Holy Spirit. Have your way. As our teacher, we thank you that you will show us things to come and even bring things to our remembrance. We thank you for revelation knowledge flowing freely today, uninterrupted and unhindered by any satanic or demonic force. It's you doing the thinking. It's you doing the speaking. None of me and all of you in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Somebody says, well, we're kind of early on today. No, we're just trying to figure out how to get you all out here to, to get, get in here and hear some word and then get out and enjoy your day. Amen. I say Amen. So you, you got to tell the latecomers who normally come after praise and worship, y'all better get here early because they're working on something in there. They don't got live music and now they can control the pace and the tempo of stuff. And we got in there and we knocked that out in 20 minutes and then he was preaching by 1030. We was out, you know, by 1130 and, and or sooner and you missed it. Amen. Amen. Because how many of you guys know it, it don't take God forever to say what he's going to say? Amen. Because yeah, we're here to hear what he's going to say. Y'all not here to hear me hoop, holler, perform, and do backflips, and then we got to do a little extra shouting. And we, you know, I, I'm not saying anything wrong with all that except for the black backflips. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but now you, have, you might have some time to do some shouting. Now, some of y'all ain't going to shout. If it's 12, 31 o'clock, you like, I ain't shouting. Because that means I got to be here for another half an hour. But now you might be free to do a little something. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, um, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I think I'm going to look at verse 9, I think is where it's at. Um, we've been talking about the fact that we are the righteous. Amen? Now, what does it mean when I'm right with God? Somebody just yell out some things of what you think it means to be right with God. Secure. What was that? Yeah, right standing. I'm in right standing with God. So if I'm in right standing with God, that means... There was a period or a time I was in wrong standing with God. Amen? Now, we all uh, should understand and know that man got into wrong standing with God when Adam sinned in the garden. Amen? Somebody said, I thought it was Eve. You know what? Well, the Bible is very clear um, that for by one man sin entered into the world, and now by the second Adam, also known as Jesus, Salvation and grace and deliverance and our righteousness has come into the same world. Somebody said, wait a minute, I thought Eve, Eve was the one who ate the fruit. Well, yeah, she ate the fruit first, but who did God give the command to not to eat the fruit? It was Adam. When there is no law or rule not to do something, it's not sin for you. And Eve wasn't given the law or the rule. Adam was. So when she ate it, that's why things didn't fall apart when she ate it. Did you notice that? She ate it, nothing happened. Then she went to Adam, and he ate it, and that's when their eyes were open. It said, and both their eyes were open when? After he ate it. She ate it, it didn't say, and immediately both their eyes were open. I think once she ate it, there was still an opportunity to get things right. But because the man sinned, what did, what did he do? He didn't believe God. He didn't trust God. He went against what God said. And that's where sin entered in. And when that happened, do you all understand that? Okay. And when that happened, man was no longer in right standing with God. Sin brought a wrong position with God. But when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, having no sin... I just made a huge leap from there, but if you've been with us, you understand that uh, after that, the law came into effect. Man had to follow these rules in order to try to be right with God, but those rules called the uh, commandments or the laws uh, were set to show man you can't do this without God. They weren't designed for us to be able to, to do successfully and then say, see, I am now like God. 
They were designed to show man this law is perfect, but you're not. And the only way you're going to be right with me is with my help. Jesus was setting man up to understand that we needed a Savior. Okay, are you with me? Unfortunately, what we've taught in churches is that those commandments, all 613 of them, are what we should aspire to try to be in order to be right with God. That's not totally incorrect, but it's 100% incomplete. First of all, those laws were all given to Jewish folks, number one. And unless you're Jewish in the room, then it didn't even apply to you. You would be considered what they call a Gentile. Okay, but let's just, for sake of argument, go along with, hey, what if it applied to all of us? In the New Testament, it's very clear that they call the Old Testament law uh, the ministration of death. It said it literally is, to, is designed to bring about sin. It's designed to show you that you can't do this. People would try to do it, and they would get so far, and then they would mess up. And for certain things that they did, they would have to do a sacrifice to clean those things up. But for some of the sins, and we'll look at this a little deeper when we start looking at Old Covenant versus New Covenant, there were some things that there wasn't even a sacrifice for. So here comes Jesus along the way, and he, comes, he becomes the one who fulfills the law and then becomes your sacrifice for all of your sins. Here comes the Savior that the law was designed to show you you needed. And so the whole world now has an opportunity to be made right, no longer wrong with God, with God, and that's what's known as righteousness. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Now, did Jesus die for everybody? Name some people who are everybody. Name some types of people who are everybody. Hitler. Huh? Gay. Is that what you said? Gay, yes. Gay folks. Hitler folks. <laughs> who else? Murderers. Who else? Adulterers. We say? Robbers. Yes. Liars. Atheists. Gossipers. Backsliders. Muslims? So no matter your race uh, or ethnicity, no matter your even religious belief, no matter your sins or shortcomings, big or small, Christ died for us all. Now see, that's hard for some people to receive and believe for various reasons. But the last I checked, John 3, 16 said, for God so loved the Do all those people live on earth? Yes. Thank God we're not God. Because we would have some conditions. That's right. Amen. Based on who hurt us, that's, that's based on who ain't getting in. Amen. So we, we, we have to understand that we look at this through eyes of human beings, but you've got to start looking at this through the eyes of God. The eyes of God says this is for everyone. Now, again, we're just recapping real quick. Now, according to what we've learned and understood from the word, what is the one requirement for me if I want to participate in what God has provided through Jesus. What do I have to do? Believe. Yes, right behind me on the board. I have to believe. Belief is the key to me receiving righteousness. It's like righteousness is on the other side of those doors, and if I go through the doors, then I'll end up on the other side where righteousness is and righteous people are. Everybody starts off on this side of the door. But then the key to the door is, I believe. I believe in what? The door. I believe there's a door that gets me to righteous. 
Now, last I checked, it said, Jesus said, uh-huh, I am the door. I am the way. Not, you ain't going to knock on something that you don't believe is the door. The, your belief brings you to the door, then your belief gets you through the door. But if you don't believe there's a door in the door, then guess what? You're just going to stand on the other side. If you don't believe in the door that there, or that there is a door, you don't believe there's a way out. He's your way out of where you're at and your way into where you are destined and designed to be. The door is there no matter what you do. The door is not there contingent upon your actions. The door was put there because God loves you. He loves you, so he gave you a way out. He loved you, so he gave you a way to the next place, back to him. The only thing you got to do is believe. But then your belief is shown in your activity in relation to the door. I believe there's a door, so I go to the door. And because I believe in the door, I'm going to now walk through the door. And once I've walked through the door, I am now on the other side in my right place with God. Again, that's righteousness. So how many of you guys have believed in Jesus, the door? How many of you guys have walked through the door? Yeah, because if you believe, you walk through the door. Now, many people believe in this way, but they don't understand that that's what they did. They believe in Jesus, and they believe that he is the way, to, you know, to God, to the Father. They believe in the, um, the death, burial, and resurrection. So they're saved. They're on the other side of the door, but many people don't know it because they don't understand the word. They're not rightly dividing what he did for us. So they, it's kind of interesting. They're actually on the other side of the door, but they still believe they're no good sinners, so they're leaving their minds on this side. They're in between kind of both places. I believe the Bible calls it in James a double-minded person. And that person can't get anything from God. Why? Not because God doesn't love them. The, the, the issue is not God. The issue is their mind. The double-mindedness that says, I don't know if I believe I'm over there. I don't know if I believe that the door does its job. I don't know if the door actually gets me into righteousness. I don't know if Jesus actually helps me to the other side. Because I feel like something's still wrong. Well, how many of you guys know that's a lie from the devil? And what you're doing is you're buying into what he says. And because your mind hasn't been renewed by his word, your actions still look like you're a sinner. Did you know, and I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but did you know that when you're saved, it's your spirit that's saved, but that body and that mind, it's going to take some work. And that work begins with the mind. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions is technically still in the same state it was before you got saved. The Bible says your spirit is sealed. Let me show you this real quick. Uh, let me get just three volunteers. What, can you two come up? And then, uh, Alan, come on up. Uh, let me just borrow y'all real quick. Just be my spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> so here you have your spirit, which is the real you. Okay, this is the real 100% you. But you possess a soul. This is your mind, will, and emotions. And you live in a body. Okay. Amen. So I'm going to put the body up first because this is how many of us look and y'all going to get in one straight file line. So go right in the center. Uh-huh. I have a body. I possess a soul that's linked with this spirit. But man is a three-part being. Everybody understand that? When you get saved, according to the word, your spirit is sealed or wrapped up and locked down with the Holy Spirit. This spirit is good to go. Now, how perfect is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit need? Does he need healing? Does he need deliverance? Does he need anything like that? As a matter of fact, he possesses 
the way to all of that. The power to obtain all of that. He is indeed the administrator of grace in your life. Your spirit, man, is perfect and has all that you need. When you were born again, the, step over here for a quick second, spirit. The old you was dead. <laughs> and there was a new you in much better shape, in much better condition, much better looking, was replaced. The old Jew is dead. The old Jew is dead. Because that was the dead version of you that is now truly dead. And then you were raised up and you now look different than you used to look. Because this spirit, this new spirit you have, has now Christ wrapped in it, and you are united with him. And that's the spirit we've talked about is seated with him. That's a child of God maturing in him. That's the new you. Are you with me? But your mind and your body still look the same. Amen. How many of you guys got extra muscles when you got saved? Uh-huh. How many of you, your eating habits just dramatically changed when you got saved? Amen. If anything, we might have relaxed a little more. Glory to God. So we clearly understand that this new creation or this new you is not talking about physically you changed. Well, why would we accept that for our bodies and we don't accept it for our minds? That's the other part of you. That mind looks exactly like it did when it got saved. I know people have these stories that they've told you that as soon as I got saved, I just totally changed. What they're not telling you is, is a week or two later, when they wanted that cigarette, they still had the desire for that cigarette, or they still had the desire for that weed, or they still had the desire for whatever it was they was doing before. Because their spirit has changed, the director of the mind and body has changed, but one has to acknowledge that director and allow that director to flow through every other part. So what the enemy does is he works overtime to bring up the old man, take one step forward, and place it in front of your soul and say, no, this is who you really are. Look at, look at, look at what you used to do. Look at how you used to feel. That's what you want. You don't want what this guy said. You want this old guy. And what you got to do is you got to constantly remind yourself, this guy is dead. That clone that the enemy is trying to put in front of you is not real. That old mirror that he's trying to put in front of you is not real. Instead, the Bible says, the mirror that we're looking at ought to be what? The word. Well, who is the word? Right. So, in our minds, we have to make a decision to kick the old man out and kill him and instead bring Christ in and then look at him. Because this way, your spirit, which has Christ, got your back, and then the word, who is Christ, is in the front. You're surrounded by him. And that's how you begin to make sure that the old man never gets back in. Now what the Bible calls this in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the renewing of your mind. Your spirit was saved and sealed, but your mind was not left without hope. Now your mind has to be renewed. And God says that as you look at my word, it will let you know who you are, and then your mind, in essence, will become new again. And how many of you guys know that's a daily process that you need to take? Amen. You took 42 years to get the way you are. And then expect in an instant for your mind to go back. How many of y'all learn anything the first time? You be thinking you know something and you be like, I didn't, I didn't even see that part. 
Amen? Amen. What am I saying? I'm saying don't be mad because you're in a process because God's not mad at you because your mind's in a process. He understands you're a child who's maturing. And even once you get to the point that you're maturing, meaning that you really believe and you walk in love for real, that's still a process. So you never stop growing. His children are still learning how to love. His mature children know how to love, but they're still perfecting that. So he's, you're, you're for, say I'm forever. Say I'm forever in a process of growing in God. And that means you maturing in that mind. Now, all of this is important if you're going to live right, which means rule right, and your attitude is what affects all of that. And that's what we're talking about today is your attitude is 100% affected by what you believe. But you have to understand all this about yourself so you don't get to beating yourself up when you hear this message and, oh, I got to get my attitude right and whatever like that, and don't understand where your attitude's at. Where's my attitude at out of these three parts of me? Is where? Go ahead and raise your hand, man. So... Yeah, that's what we're working on. That's what we're working on. That's what we're working on. Do you ever stop working on that? No. It's quite parallel to this. You may have got this on lockdown when you was 25. I was in the best shape of my life. But if you stop working on it, what's going to happen? We see the mysteries that were once. <laughs> Excellent. We can see the form and shape of what was. It just got a little softer. That's all. Just got a little softer. But is God mad at you because you got a little softer? Are you going to hell because you got a little softer? No. So, so even if you're physically in development, don't beat yourself up. We got to stop this shaming and condemning ourselves. Last I checked, it said in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to who? Those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're working on your body and or working on your mind, just praise God that my spirit is good to go. Amen. Amen. I'm crazy half the time. I'm out of shape all the time. But thank God I'm saved. Welcome to the club. And that's so, I mean, and, and I'm not saying, you know, we, we want to just become complacent, but at the same time, learn how to be content. Learn how to be content today. Oh, today wasn't my cheat day. Uh, I ate a hamburger. Okay, well, go run or walk or, I don't know, but don't beat yourself up. It, was it good? Well, and praise God I had, it was good. Now, Lord, help me with tomorrow. Now spend time renewing that mind. So that tomorrow will be a better day. But don't, all, and why am I saying that? Because all of that is a trap to get you in unbelief. Because what you start doing is saying, because I took the cheat day or because uh, I, I, I sinned and, and did something uh, in my mind that, that, that resulted in my body, what then you start saying is, there must be something wrong with me. That's what the devil is trying to do. Even when it comes to your weight, even when it comes to uh, your thinking, his whole goal is to get you to doubt that the work of Christ is finished in you. I want you to understand that every bit of that matters to God. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Thank you, spirit, soul, and body. All right. <laughs> so all of that affects my attitude. Now, what is attitude? We talked about it a little bit last week, uh, quickly to get into it. Attitude is a settled way, this is the dictionary's definition. Attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. It's a settled way, somebody say settled way. Okay, when something's settled, what does that mean? That's it, it's not moving, it's, it's settled. So this is a fixed way, That's, I like that. This is a fixed way of, of thinking or feeling about something. And it says, typically, one that is reflected, now this is important, in a person's behavior. 
So attitude starts in my mind, or attitude is in my mind, but it always comes out in my actions. It's like your mama used to tell you, you got an attitude problem. Why? Because you look like you do. Untune your lips. Don't roll your eyes at me. Amen? You can see somebody's attitude because it's how they, it's how they, how they, how they behave. I know what you're thinking by how you look. Now, that's just my face. Now, nah, well, you got an ugly face then because you acting ugly. And, 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 and that's the thing is, is, is I, I can know a person's attitude because I can see it in their behavior. Well, think about that from a believer standpoint. If you know you're saved, then your attitude should be set to, I'm saved. I'm the righteousness of God. But many of us say we're saved and we're the righteousness of God, but when we're not at church, we act or behave another way. And if I'm going to be this mature ruler acting as an heir of God, what I'm thinking should be reflected in how I'm living. You understand that? If I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ, then I shouldn't be walking around talking about I'm broke. Because my attitude is set to the fact that all is well in my finances. Now there's, there's, a, there's an extra key to that. Somebody said, well, how do I actually see the money though? Like show me the money. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit leading you and producing fruit in your life comes into play. Because when my attitude is that I believe and trust God, then I will do his will. And once I do his will, I'll locate the blessings for my life. I've said this a bunch of times. Imagine this owl is God's will for your life. Amen? Whatever he's called you to do, whatever he's called you to be. And every day you wake up, he's communicating, and even in your dreams, he's communicating that will to you. If you do that will, let me get like two of y'all to hop on the aisle real quick. Yeah. If you do that will, what you need, what's going to happen? Lord, I need a new car. I need a new car. I need a new car. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to join that church, and I want you to get involved in this team, and da-da-da-da. What you don't know is he had somebody who had an extra car who came up and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow that into your life, whatever like that. And then, boom, guess what you end up running into? That material thing you were looking for. I need increase, and I need a new job. I need a new job. Uh, come down here. I need a new job, and I need increase in promotion, da-da-da-da. What you going to run into? But if I say... I don't like that church no more. I think I'm going to go do something else. I like this one. The, the music's better over here. Make children ministry better too. And they don't smell funny sometimes. And so, what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing my thing, but what am I missing? I'm missing the blessing. Is the blessing provided? Is it there? Has grace done its job? Has God done his job? Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit doing his job, leading me? Yeah. Who's messing it up? Yeah. What part of me is messing it up? My spirit? Yeah. What? Yeah. My mind, that attitude will cause you to miss. A wrong attitude will cause you to miss your blessings. Sin is not the ultimate issue. It isn't indirectly, it's the unbelief. But your, your other activity that you did or whatever like that, you think people that tell you, you didn't sow in church and that's why. That's why you ain't got that card. No, you won't believe God and trust him and listen to the Holy Spirit. That's why. You didn't say the right words in your confession. That's why. Again, that's magic. You don't have special words that you need. That's abracadabra. I mean, think about that. If I say this, then that's what's going to happen. No, that's already done no matter what you said. You say the right words to convince yourself, I better stay on this path. God has provided all I need according to his riches and glory. Not me, 
If I get involved, I'm going to be over there. So my God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I'm going to stay where my God told me to stay. I'm going to do what my God told me to do. Those confessions keep you fighting the good fight of faith, keep you remembering what he said, and then you will have what he has for you. You understand that? Say amen. amen. So if I'm going to trust God, then I have to make a decision that I'm going to do the will of the Father. Your attitude affects all of that. If you don't set your mind and settle your mind that what God said is enough and is paramount, then you'll find yourself on different paths. And because God would not be God if he doesn't give you the freedom to choose, then he, he'll let you be on that path. God put me on this path because my season was up. No, he shot stop, stop lying. No, he didn't. He told you to stay and do right what you were told. Your season of listening was over. That's what happened. Your season of believing and trusting him was over. That's what happened. But now there's a new season where you will now listen to him again. Ain't that funny? Sometimes those seasons change and it bring you right back to the last thing he said. No, that's not, a, that's, not, that's not a knock against you. Of course, we look at it as a knock in this world. I praise God when you come back to the last place he said. I praise God when you come back to your Jehovah Jireh, the place where he provided for you. Sometimes that solidifies you even more. It settles you even more. Some of us go out there and we learn by what we call the school of hard knocks. You come back looking like Martin in that episode when he fought Terminus Hearns, you got all these knots and things on your head and you show back up. And you show back up and you're like, ah, I think I'm ready to listen now, Holy Spirit. And thank God he's the healer. <laughs> thank, thank God for the Holy Spirit who comforts us. And guess what we've done now? We've settled. You know what? I don't care what happens. I'm going to stick to the path that he says. I'm going to stick to his plan for my life. You know what you had? you had an attitude adjustment. Like I said, mama and daddy used to give us attitude adjustments sometime. I tell people all the time, there's two ways you learn things, by words or pain. That's what I figured out so far. I mean, I don't know if it's absolute, but pretty much, pretty much, either somebody tells you, be it the Holy Spirit or a person, or, or, or even as we're younger, our parents or something. But somehow somebody tells you something right, and either you'll do it or not. And if you don't do what they said with their words, you go out there and you experience some form of loss or pain. Now, God doesn't want you learning by pain. Christ took all the pain, so you didn't have to. But many of us, man, we'll, we'll, we'll let that be the teacher and, we'll, and we, we, we go from pain to pain to pain, and God is like, hey, Jesus took all that pain. What you need to do now is believe him. Somebody say, I believe God. I believe God. And when you do that, you don't have to experience the pain. Why? Because I live by the word. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going. So, Attitude is also a position of the body proper to or implying an action or mental state. So based on your body, we can tell what you're thinking. That's all it's saying. Um, attitude is also the orientation of an aircraft relative to the direction of travel. So if a plane is flying this way or whatever like that, then, then that, that's telling you the attitude of the plane. So we understood, uh, we looked at this the last couple of weeks, that um, we should have a righteous attitude, which means we should have the attitude of a ruler. Not the attitude of one who is still trying to get from God or get from Jesus, but one who has already received. Now, I know that's very different for some people. I said a statement out, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but many people are living life like they're still seeking God. I know I'm about to step. Y'all like, God, dog, every week you be doing good. And then you start stepping in the stuff that, you know, I don't want you stepping in. Because, you know, we've tied all these deep emotions to certain parts of the Bible that are for people who don't know him. 
Now, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That used to be our scripture for getting all we needed from God, right? I need money, seek ye first. I need peace, seek ye first. But how do I reconcile that with the fact that Jesus has provided all? I sought him, I found him, I knocked, he opened, I'm on the other side of the door, and guess what? I got everything I need. So when I go back to seek him, all I'm doing is going back to say, what do you want me to do to continue to obtain what I already have found? What do you want me to physically now do to secure or procure, better yet, what I've already found? I found it in my spirit. I know it in my heart, my mind. So now I want to see the manifestation of it. So I'm not seeking you to do that thing because it's done. I already got it in the spirit. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, expected. It's the evidence. I have evidence even though I don't see it. I know I got it. So I don't go say, I need to seek God because if I seek God, I'll find it. Only thing I'm doing is seeking the will of the Father so I can obtain it. But it's already done. That's how a ruler thinks. That's how the righteous should be thinking. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So why is this important? It's important because when Jesus was walking the earth, this was the same attitude that Jesus had. Jesus was God who put on an earth suit and came to earth. Uh, guys, go to uh, verse 1 in that, uh, Philippians. He was God who put on an earth suit and came to earth. Now, even that alone just blows my mind. Look how uncomfortable God had to get to take care of us. Look, look what he sacrificed. One scripture says uh, that he, uh, one version says that he laid down all his divine rights. He is God, the creator of all. Just this fact. Remember there was no time and distance in the spirit? Like God operates in, in, a, in, a, in a verse that is not normal to us. There is no today and tomorrow and all that type of stuff. Even to create the world, he had to slow himself down. But then he put himself in a earth suit or a body and had subjected himself to gravity, had subjected himself to emotions and feelings, subjected himself to time and space. It's no wonder it only took three years for Jesus to change the world. And it's taken some of us 30 just to believe him because that wasn't a normal man. He did things a little faster. Did you hear what I said? He did things a little, what if we could change the world and get it all set straight in just three years? I'm supposed to do what he did in greater works, right? So I think I should be able to do at least one and a half. Or one, if we talk about greater. Think, think about it. But can I do that? Uh-uh, but God in me can. Because God in me is not relegated to time or space. God in me is not relegated to the laws in, of man and nature. Why? Because that's God. Some of y'all not ready for this. That's, that's, that's part 56. And, and y'all like, wait a minute, we on part 22. You don't just hop way to some sci-fi type stuff. I need you to understand that the same spirit, you sung about it, that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. And either that's real or not. Who is the spirit who raised Christ from the dead? God. And God put on a body and subjected himself to all of that. He subjected himself to people spitting on him. He subjected himself to people lying and hating on him. He subjected himself to, to jokers putting nails through his hands. All because he had a plan for you and me. 
That's the attitude Jesus was working from. That's the attitude Jesus was ruling from. And it's the same attitude that's required for you and me to be successful as believers on this earth. Now think about that. That attitude had nothing to do with him, did it? He didn't regard himself. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are, let's keep going, your hearts tender and compassionate. Did you know that's going to be a requirement? If you're going to live right and rule right, you got to get over whatever's gotten you hard. Well, how do I get over it? You give it to God. You cast your cares on him like Peter said. Why? Because he cares for you. But if you're, if you're not able to be tender and compassionate, you will walk by. Remember the Samaritan parable. You'll walk by those who have need. Why? Because you're concerned with your need. You're concerned with where you got to be. You're concerned with what you got to do. You're concerned with how much money you got. You're concerned with how you feeling today. You've not relegated yourself to all the earthly things missing the story and the example of Jesus. Stop seeing yourself as the person on the side of the road and start seeing yourself as Jesus because that's who you are in the story. You're not the person who's beat up. But you don't understand what happened to me. Yeah, but his blood took care of that. His body took care of that. You're healed, you're whole, you just got to have the attitude that believes it. There's an actual person who's on the side of the road who's dying and hurting who doesn't even know him. There's a person on your job. There's a person in your family. There's a person maybe even in your church. There's a person in your school who truly is lost and does not have the Savior on the inside. And they need you. But as long as the enemy keeps lying to you and putting that old man in front of you and you keep buying the lie, you'll think that you don't have enough or him at all to give to them because look at how I feel thank God Jesus never said look at how I feel because had he paid attention to how he felt it would have deterred him from his mission church body of Christ it's time that we stop being deterred from our mission it's time that we adjust our attitudes and settle what we believe Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another. Paul, again, was writing to the church of Philippi, and they, they were fighting about some stuff, and he was like, listen, if, if you're in these fights and spats and disagreements and unforgiveness, then you're, you're not going to be able to carry out what, what Christ has uh, instructed us to do. Uh, let's keep going. It says, and working together with what? One mind. One attitude, one purpose. Keep going. Don't be selfish. I don't think you can say it much more clear than that, can you? If I'm going to work with one mind and attitude, that means I can't have a separate mind and attitude, which would be a selfish mind and attitude. Amen? Me and my wife are two individuals, but if we're working with one mind and one purpose, there is no Melissa's mind and no Archie's mind. We're the Collins's mind and purpose. Amen? But I have an opinion. Nobody didn't say you didn't have an opinion. But you got one mind and one purpose. But you ain't going to shut me up. Ain't nobody trying to shut you up. But we got one mind and one purpose. But you're not going to respect me. Ain't nobody trying to disrespect you. But you got one mind and one purpose. See, that's all that pain talking. You got to give that over to him. All it's going to do is generate bitterness. And bitterness is going to separate you from the will of the Father. It doesn't erase his provision. It doesn't erase the blessing. It doesn't erase the effects of grace. But man, it's going to stop you from being a ruler because it's going to stop you from maturing. You're still a child. You're just an immature one. Amen? And once I saw this, I said, I'm going to grow up. You know, growing up is your choice. Growing up in your soul is not like growing up in your body. The mind has to be renewed. To grow the body don't have to be renewed to grow it'll grow actually it'll get out of control <laughs> amen but it'll grow on its own with just time but the mind doesn't grow with time the mind grows 
with revelation of the word. I don't know if you caught that. The mind develops, the mind matures, the mind strengthens when it understands the word, who by the way is Jesus, who by the way is the truth, who by the way is grace. And once I continue to understand what he's done for me and, and, and who he is and therefore who I am, I grow. Why? Because I trust him more and more. Right attitude is 100% affected by, am I believing him? But your body, it'll grow, but your body won't. You got some people who are literally mental two-year-olds when it comes to what God has done. And that's why they're bitter. That's why they're angry. That's why they're so sinful, because they won't believe God. We're talking about Christians. Remember, Paul was writing all this to believers. We, we read Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians. We read all these like he was talking to sinners. These letters went to churches. People just like me and you who were closer in time to the truth than we were. Think about that. Paul was alive. Like one of the greatest preachers ever was alive. One of the greatest theological minds was alive and was personally visiting and writing these guys and they were dealing with these issues. So don't think that what we're saying is not accurate or necessary for this time. Amen? Uh, it says, be humble. It says, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, bet, thinking of yourselves as better than your, uh, thinking of others as better than yourself. Verse four, don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same, there it is, one definition, I mean, one version says mind, but here we understand it's attitude. You have to have the same direction. You have to have the same settled nature. You have to have the same understanding that Christ had. Have that same mindset that leads to godly behavior like Jesus. I declare that you have the mind of Christ. I declare that you have the attitude, the positioning in life as Christ did. I declare that you see yourselves as kings and queens. I declare that you see yourself as already provided for. I declare that you see yourselves as agents of grace. I declare that you see yourselves as ambassadors of God. I declare that you see yourself loved. I declare that you see yourself healed. And as a matter of fact, I declare that you see yourself as having the healer on the inside of you to such a point that you can go out and minister him to others. I declare that you see yourself at peace with nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. Because that's how Jesus saw himself. Verse uh, 6. He said, though he was God, he did not think it of equality with God, or he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That wasn't his crutch. Verse 8. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Can you give up your privileges? to go where he tells you to go, to do what he tells you to do. And he took on the humble position of a slave. Now we understand that that's not talking about, you know, chains in a natural slave. What he's talking about is he took on someone like a sinner. He took on human form like a regular human being in a sinner, even though he knew no sin. And he was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience, here's the key, to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross, on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of who? Archie? Melissa? Taffy? Or Creflo? Jesus. Thank God for all of us as your pastors, but hey, it's not about having your pastor in your heart, it's about having Jesus there. 
We're not trying to create a situation again where there's pastor worship going on. I ain't your savior. Melissa is not your savior. Dr. Dollar nor Pastor Taffy are your saviors. We all love you and count it an honor and a privilege to pastor you. But we are only leading you as a pastor would to the true brook, to the true bread, to the true water, who is Jesus. And, and, and at his name, every knee should bow. Where? In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now I got a question. Who are you united and seated with? Christ Jesus. So you carry name, sorry, knee-bowing authority on the inside of you. Not by your name. Don't get it twisted. You better bow your knee to me. No, 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 no. <laughs> you said I was a ruler, and that's what people do. They bow their knees to kings and queens. See, now you're getting too deep. Your title is only connected to him. You didn't earn this, and you don't deserve it. So stay humble. Those spirits must bow to he who is on the inside of you. The seven sons of Sceva figured that out the hard way. Went in that place, we cast you out. And they said, in the name of Paul and Jesus. They said, we know Paul, we know Jesus, but who are you? They didn't have him. To just say his name is not enough. You got to have the seal on you. And then every demon in hell, every angel in heaven, and everything on earth has to bow. Rules, laws, regulations don't apply when it comes to the believer. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm saying he'll work things out on your behalf. I'm not saying you go out there and speed and declare the name of Jesus. Because that would not be following the voice of the Father, would it? But if God tells you to walk on water, guess what? The laws of nature have to bend the knee to the power that's on the inside of you. If God tells you to speak to the storm, now some of you were here Wednesday and we did that. And we declared Florida would be fine and da-da-da-da-da. I could have sworn I saw that storm starting to bend. Now you may not believe that had nothing to do with what we did, but I do. Because I saw my Jesus speak to the storm. I saw my God walk on water. And he told me that greater works could I do. Now, I don't go out there and go and walk on my pool if Jesus didn't tell me to, because you're going to be 14 feet under that pool. It's like this thing I saw on Instagram, this guy. I don't know what he was doing. This jerker jumping and flipping, and y'all know half black people can't even swim. So this dude jumping and flipping on a diving board, and he flipped off. And he couldn't swim. You don't know it at first. His, 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 his boy is, is recording it. And, and, and the guy goes in the water, and he just stays down. And the guy's like, oh, cuz, you crazy. He's like, cuz, cuz. And then the dude, apparently he can't swim either. He kicked off his Nikes. He put his feet in the water. He's like, grab my leg, cuz. Grab my leg. Grab my leg, cuz. <laughs> and then he said like four times. And that last four, number four was like panic. Cuz, grab my leg, you know. And then the guy comes up, I can't, I can't swim. And then the guy gets out the pool and starts laughing. It was just like, so, so, so don't, don't do it. If you know God didn't tell you to do it, don't go and do it. Trying to prove something. Because then Jesus, that's what he did with Peter. Grab my leg, cut. No, he didn't. Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> but if you get in the flash and start trying to do something, and beginning to sink is what the scripture said with Peter. Why? Because he started looking at what was naturally around him. He got carnal. He got in the flesh. But thank God in his grace, you got a cuz that'll, that'll be right there to pull you and rescue you and bring you right back out. But how about you just don't jump in if he didn't tell you to? <laughs> it says, every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, verse 12. It says, dear friends, you always follow my instructions. 
when I was with you. And now that I'm away, this is Paul talking, it is even more important, what? That you work hard to show the results of your salvation. You don't work hard to get results. You work hard to show results. How? Obeying God. Isn't that what it says? Obeying God. Do what God says and love will come out. Do what God says and people will see the results of your salvation. And that's what Jesus did. And this is the same mind and attitude we have to have. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So possessing the right attitude, which is Christ's attitude, is what will result at the end of day with me walking in God's love. Right rulers are lovers of God, and they're lovers of his word. They're lovers of his truth, and they're lovers of his direction. They're even, dun, 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 lovers of his people. Thank you for them too, folks, who want to love God's people. See, we are good if the love is helping us. But when he says love his people, oh, Lord Jesus. Them people? Yeah, them people. Those are the ones he talking about. Because they're the ones who need him. I mean, us just sitting here loving each other, that's, that's great. We sitting around talking about kumbaya, my Lord. He don't already came by. Some of y'all get that when you go home and figure out what kumbaya means. <laughs> Come by here is what it means. And we just sitting there and we're just doing that over and over again. And we all full of God. Did you hear what I said? How many of you guys are saved in the room? Raise your hand. You're full of God right now. You don't need nothing else from him. Whether you believe it or not, you're full of him. But there's somebody who ain't saved that might be sitting in a room that has none of him on the inside. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going out there and getting more and more of them and bringing them to him, get them saved, and then bring them to his house so that they can now grow. The church does not become full by the marketing plan of the pastor. The church becomes full when the body goes out and does the work. When they work hard to show the results of their salvation because they believe in the Father, that's when the harvest starts coming in. I'm not paying $30,000 to grow a church because of a marketing plan. What if we just went on the radio? Some people don't know. You're the radio. Your life is the radio. Your mouth is the radio. There's a true fact that we learned back at Oral Roberts University when we were in college in these church growth classes. 80% of church growth happens by word of mouth. It was true then, it's true now. When you go and testify, they overcome. And then when they overcome, guess what they do? They come on over. But if you ain't testifying, they ain't overcoming. Because they don't know about the blood of the Lamb. They don't know what he's done in your life. The church has started to shut up for some reason. It's like we listened to what the world told us to do, which was shut up about your God, shut up about your Jesus. We're tired of hearing about that. You just sit there. Don't nobody put baby in a corner. I'll tell you what, I am a child of God. You don't tell me to shut up. If anything, I'm going to be the biggest voice in the room. Why? Because I got the truth. I got the way. I got the light. And even though you think you got the answer with your deep philosophical self, it's just going to lead you into more and more and more darkness. So only a fool would sit up there and not reveal the truth and talk about you love people. If you love people, stop watching them run off a cliff. No, what's happened is, is we've gotten insecure and we want to be politically correct and we don't want nobody to go off on us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever like that. You can tweet and face and, and IG as much as you want to. I could care less. I believe 
God. That's why we we putting these messages, these take, when we taking little clips and we putting it all on, on Facebook and everywhere else just to further testify of what he's done so that people can overcome. And I think somebody the other day, what he commented on one, we talked about uh, being seated with Christ in heavenly places, and they put, it's all about the cross. You dumb, dumb, that's exactly what we said. We said it's all happened because of the cross, but after the cross, we're now seated in heavenly places with him. But your deep self, what it is is you insecure because ain't nobody taught you right, so now just because you don't know it, you think it's not true. He just called him a dumb dumb. I did, I'm sorry. But still. <laughs> the Bible says you're united with him. And you're seated in heavenly places. So like we said, how can I be in the seat and then at the foot of the cross at the same time? The two don't go. Jesus ain't even on a cross. So you're worshiping a piece of wood. He's not there no more. The only power in the cross was when Jesus was on it. And the result was his blood was shed. It never said the cross had the power. His body and his blood has the power. It wasn't about the symbol of the cross. You might as well put an electric chair around your neck and walk around with it. It was indeed the power. Now, I understand if, it, if the cross represents to you what his body and blood did, you good. But people get deep. Because you say he's not on the cross no more. He's not. And if you don't believe that and understand that, you will stick yourself in the wrong position, finding yourself kneeling at the cross all the time, yet you're supposed to be ruling from the seat, sharing his love with others so that they can join you in the seat. I'm going to say something, and some people might not like it, but praise God anyhow. You're allowing the, 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 the enemy to keep you in a slave mentality. Trying to keep you under when you've been put over. The word backs it up. We were once slaves when we needed what was on the cross, which was him. But once we received him, there are still people out there who are right here. But because we think we're here with them, there's nobody to lead them out. But Jesus is the one who leads us out. Right! And he's in you. Jesus is not physically on earth anymore. He needs you to lead them out by showing the works of your salvation and obeying God. When he was physically here, that's what he was doing. He did all that work, shed that blood, gave his body, not for us to then sit down at the foot of the cross for the rest of our lives. He gave us that so that we could be raised from here. He was here. We were there, and then he was raised, and we were raised with him to this position. And now our job is to go back and get the others, just like he came back and got us. And he gonna come back again. And when he come back again, guess what? We all are gonna be waiting, because then we all get to rule. That's the work of God. That's believing in him. And that's the attitude you have to have. And that's the end of this message because my time is definitely all gone. Amen? Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. So, Father, we just thank and praise you. And we receive today the repositioning of our minds, the adjustment of our attitudes. We declare that we have the mind of Christ, which is a mind that believes you, God. 
Lord, we thank you for what Jesus did on that cross. But we also thank you that he rose and brought us with him and seated us with him in a place of honor, but also a place of authority. And we thank you that that authority was not given for us to dominate, but to lead others to you by your love. So Father, as we continue to understand your will for our lives, we thank you right now that we're at peace with nothing missing, lacking, or broken. Your joy, knowing you, is, your, is our strength. And we thank you, Father God, that greatness lives on the inside of us. So we release greatness out of us. All this week, Holy Spirit, lead God and direct us. May your love be the production of our lives. That's our cry, Lord. That's our heart's desire. And we thank you for everyone who shows up to our tree to partake of the fruit that we give. That they'll be filled full of you. And as a result, want to know you more and more. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Were you blessed by that today? Amen. Amen.